in the book of Genesis chapter 47, verse number 19. The Egyptians are talking, and they're talking to Joseph. And this is what they said. They said, why should we perish before your eyes? That's a good question. Why should we perish before your eyes? Not only us, we. This is interesting. Look at what they say. And our land as well. Buy us and our land in exchange for food. And we with our land will be in bondage to Pharaoh. Look at this line right here. Give us seed so that we may live and not, I'm going to say that again. Give us seed that we may live and not die. And that the land may not become desolate. Amen. And I'm going to go in context of what's happening here in a minute. But all week long, I was grateful to God for what was happening in this building. And I was sharing with someone that sometimes you don't see the effects of what you do today. We live in a culture that has taught us that we kind of we taught this, right? Like we want... Like It's like the man who prayed to God and he said, God, I want patience and I want it now. <laughs> Let that sink in a little bit. God, I want patience and I want it now. We are the type of people we are used to. If I pull up to McDonald's and they are a little bit longer than I expect, we get angry. It's called fast food you know it always it never you know we, we we don't ever think about this right like how you make a burger that quick <laughs> I literally drive around from a from a point where I talk to you and by the time I get to the next window you already got a full cooked meal for me and nothing in me questions <laughs> I know when I cook a burger it don't you know what I mean it yeah. hallelujah come on y'all ain't saying nothing <laughs> we don't question it because our need for it to happen right away causes us to overlook a lot of things. We're a microwave society. Come on, how many of you, your microwave, if a camera was in there, it would tell a whole story of you in front of the microwave. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Come on, the microwave saw you moonwalking when you were heating up wings. Make some noise, come on, you know you did it. Hallelujah, the microwave saw you doing all types of bug stuff for that leftover food that you were so excited to eat. If y'all fight me a smile back in this place, the spirit of Grinch, I bind you. I am funny. Hater gonna hate. <laughs> but the concept of a microwave is that you don't, you don't gotta wait. Go and you press two minutes, if that. Some of y'all do 30 seconds. You know that ain't enough. You feel it real like <laughs> popcorn is three minutes. You still trying to cheat the popcorn. Maybe it'll do it in one. 
the point I'm trying to make is that we're such a instant gratification people that when we don't see results right away, we quit. That's why the gym don't work for me. <laughs> Come on, somebody. It wasn't until, I, I, you know, you, you, the check engine light starts coming on in your life and the doctor said, if you don't exercise, you'll die. That's when I started saying, all right, you got it, doctor. <laughs> Before that, I told you, me going to a doctor is not, is not a good experience for me because if he tells me all of my levels are good, that's permission to, to, to mess them up. The doctor says to me, your cholesterol is great. I'm like, I got to put some cholesterol in there. <laughs> Go get some Popeyes. Anybody else like me? Doctor says your sugar is low. I'm like, ice cream, here I come. <laughs> so the gym don't work for a lot of people because if you're like me, I go to a gym, I lift like two joints. And by the time I come home, I'm walking around like Sherry. She's like, yes. Oh, nothing. <laughs> Sherry, are you going to go to the kitchen? She's like, what's wrong with you? You can't see. She's like, you look the same. <laughs> what do you mean? I spent 30 minutes in the gym. You don't see this? Now you look the same, bro. <laughs> if you don't see results right away, you tend to quit. But I was telling some people all week long that what you do in the kingdom, you might not see the instant result. But what we do in the kingdom is called seed planting. That's another reason why nothing grows in our garden at home. We be Even Silas was like that. Silas came home one day with a science experiment to plant a seed. He put it down. He was excited with his mom. Got his plant, his pot and all. Put it next day. He came down and said, where's that? <laughs> What's good? <laughs> she said, well, you got to wait. He was like, pretty much done with this. That's not how that's supposed to work. The problem with seed planting is that you don't see the results right away. And all week long, all week long, we've been planting seeds into the lives of children. There were children that came into this church that might not necessarily be taught Jesus Christ at home. They might have even been taught that Jesus is not the way at home. And uh, there were children in this room that might have never walked into a church had we not an event like that. And sometimes you walk away saying, well, where are they now? And I'll tell you what happens in life because I've heard these stories. People grow up hearing things about Christian and Jesus, but their experience says different when they were a children. They were loved on and they were cared on and they can't understand when they watch TV and they hear that Christians are the most meanest, hateful people. But their experience with us was we were the most loving, exciting time they ever had. And God is able to take that one seed. And push back everything the enemy will ever say. Y'all don't understand how this works. And so I'm grateful to God for seed. Because I want you to know that everything will change if you have a seed. The sermon title today is, It Starts With a Seed. Let's pray today. 
Father, I thank you, Lord, for all that you are and all that you will do and all that you will continue to do in this church. Father, I thank you today as your word is already blessed. Like you said, there's no problem with the seed. It's the ground it falls on. So I pray for good ground. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we call that the parable of the sower, but every time we preach the parable of the sower, we focus more on the ground. But Jesus didn't call it parable of the ground. You ever thought about that? It's the parable of the sower because the point of the story is not necessarily the ground. The point of the story was he was telling his disciples because when he was finished and he explained it, he said, none of them ain't going to get it, but this was meant for you because you guys are the sower. And when you sow, don't get mad when you don't see results every time because the problem is never the seed. The problem is the ground. So be encouraged and become sowers. And a farmer went out and scattered. And you as believers are called to become sowers. I want to say a couple things about uh, seed. When you are not aware of the time for sowing, misery will be present in the time of harvesting. Go ahead, take a picture of it. I know y'all don't even write it no more. I'm going to say that again. When you are not aware of time for sowing, Misery will be present in the time of harvesting. A Chinese proverb I read this week that says, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago, and the next best time is now. <laughs> what does that mean? That means if you're a young person, start planting. If you're old, plant again. Look at what the Bible says in Genesis 8.22. As long as the earth endures, how many of you know the earth is still around? Come on. Global warming ain't get it yet. And all the other stuff they think will destroy this earth. They don't know who's going to really destroy. Hallelujah. As long as the earth endures, here's what God says. Seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest. Cold and heat. Summer and winter. Day and night will never cease. In other words, as long as we, have the, we are alive and we're living in time and we're living on this planet, seasons occur. There is a time to plant and there's a time to harvest. The problem with a lot of us is we all just want to harvest and nobody wants to spend time planting. Because planting takes work. Come on, somebody. Come on, New Yorkers, we go to the store and we buy everything that we think they planted. <laughs> Might have been grown in a lab. <laughs> we live in big cities, so we don't understand that concept. We don't understand the hard work it takes to farm, to dig stuff up, to go out, to be in the hot sun, to plow in seasons, to make sure the soil is right, to do so many things in order to get a harvest. We just go buy the harvest. And so we are people who, when you live in a city like this, you don't really understand it from, a, from an agriculture standpoint. But the truth is, in life, you are always planting, not just agriculture. You're planting seeds. The words you speak are seeds. The money you spend is seed. Hallelujah. The things you watch are seeds. 
The things you say are seeds. Hallelujah. The, the, the where you invest is a seed. Amen, somebody. The, 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 the things that you, you, you choose to do as a young person can be literally you planting seeds into your life that will bring a harvest later. The point of school, hallelujah, is not so you could go there and say, what's the point of school? It's so that you get a degree to get a harvest later. Because ain't nobody trying to hire nobody without no degree. And you say, well, why is that? I Googled and I know as much. Well, Google don't show that you went to school for four years on time, did the course, and completed it. There's something else that goes along with going to school. It shows that you were able to stick to something and finish it. Come on, how many of you like me? You start school and you ready to quit the next day. You like, you know what? First day they say you gotta write a paper, I'd be like, you know what? I need a sick day. I need a mental health day. If you don't understand the times in your life, you will have misery. Some of you older folks are living in misery right now, not because of the devil, because 20 years ago you never planted nothing. And you bit at everybody else because you ain't got no tree in your yard. Come on, somebody. Some of you mad right now because you got to go to a doctor often because you planted bad food in your body earlier. Oh, I'm coming all over today. I'm going to let y'all know what you see. A lot of times we, we, you sitting there, you like, you could, you could avoid that, you, that, that heart disease that you're trying to fix right now. That diabetes, when they told you you were borderline diabetic and you refused to. Did I lose y'all? Y'all still with me? When, when somebody was your age and they were studying and building a business and you were in the club. Y'all love me still, right? When they were working on their craft and you just was out doing whatever else, times change, seasons change, age change, and harvest comes. And that can either leave you in misery or leave you rejoicing. Amen, somebody. Amen, Amen somebody. Amen. You know, the Bible says this in Ecclesiastes 11, 4 through 6. He who watches the wind will not sow. And he who looks at the cloud will not reap. You do not know the path of the wind and how it how uh, bones are formed in the womb of a pregnant woman. So you do not know the activity of God who makes all things. Sow your seed in the morning and do not be idle in the evening. For you do not know whether morning or evening sowing will succeed. Or whether both of them alike will be good. 
You don't have a harvest if you don't sow. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. Here's the second point. A lot of us, Selena, you got my two pictures? You got, you got that orange? A lot of us pray and we say, God, I want my life to be fruitful like this. Like, pow. Make you want to get an orange, right? That's, that's, that's this one tree in the front right here. How much is an orange? How much, how much for like one of these in the... It's $3 for orange. So this is 3, 6, 9, 12, 15. And he got a whole field. Oh, this man is a millionaire. A lot of us want that. Lord, let my life be fruitful. Put, put up the, the, the apples. We, Lord, this how much is an apple? Y'all don't buy nothing, huh? Yo, what y'all eat trail mix all day or something? What's happening? Y'all don't eat no fruits? Fruits. Put up a burger. <laughs> Put up six nuggets. I bet y'all know how much that is. Put up something healthy like, oh, I passed that set. I'll be seeing that. That's somewhere in the supermarket, right? I'll be seeing it on the side. <laughs> How much for one of these? A bag is $8.99. How much is in the bag? Six? It's, it's one, two, three, four, five, six. That's $8.99. That's one, two, three, four, five, six. That's $8.99. And he got a... This man got a whole field. He's a millionaire. Many of us want the dream. Many of us pray and say, God, I want to be fruitful. I want my life to blossom. I want my, I want my life to be all of this. Here's my second point. When you ask God for a tree, this is how he often responds. Put the other picture up. Put the other picture up. This is what he give you. You pray for the orange and God give you, put the other picture up. God give you that. Somebody said, what? <laughs> so whoever missed science class that day, like the orange just don't appear. <laughs> the problem is we pray for the dream and God gives you the dream, but it looks like this. What you do with this is going to determine. y'all clap for this clap for the other thing put back the other picture how come y'all ain't clap for that because when you pray this is how he answers this is how he answers but you don't clap for this because it don't look like nothing you only clap when it look like the other picture thank you my brother 
put the point up. When you ask for a tree, you will often get a seed. God, I want to write a book. God, give you a pencil. <laughs> Come on, somebody. God, I want to be the greatest rapper of all times. That's reserved for me alone. I don't got nothing else to tell you there. Right, church lady? Amen. <laughs> Who are you? Don't mess with church lady. Go out on that bike and play my song when you leave. Let them know what time it is. That bike rolled through Brooklyn. Who you represent? Like, who that? Here's my next point. Don't eat the seed, plant the seed. As I was thinking of that, I was thinking to myself, one of the greatest, one of the greatest distraction from planting a seed is actually a good harvest. The pleasure of the seed can cause you not to plant the seed. What do you mean by that? Sometimes when you plant and you get that first harvest, you're so excited because you have reached a goal that you don't realize you're still alive. You better start planting as soon as you harvest. But sometimes because we, like me, come on y'all, hallelujah. I'm the type of person, if I lose five pounds, I celebrate by eating. <laughs> Am I the only one in this church that does bug stuff? You do it too. You call it a cheat day though. Y'all just got magic words for it. You celebrate your entire week of being healthy by being unhealthy one day. I did it. And because you know it's your cheat day, you go all out that day. You gain everything back. <laughs> Sometimes when you get success, success can be a threat to the process. That's why I respect athletes who can do it one, two, three, four times. Because after you win... Sometimes you just, you just want to quit. A lot of us, we eat the seed instead of planting it. Do you know that they say that the average American, if you live to be about 70, you will have more than a million dollars passed through your hands? That get me mad because I don't got a million dollars, but it's passing through. Hold on. It's got to stop. When you get it, it's where you plant it. Keep buying sneakers instead of Apple stock. 
When you go home, look at your sneaker collection and the amount. And if you invested that 20 years ago in an Apple, you could have probably bought a Nike store. In a business, in real estate, in something. A lot of us, we eat the seed. I advise everybody in this room, don't just go to your tax person and give them your paperwork and tell them to do your taxes. I advise you, while you go with your tax person to do taxes, look through all of your spending for a year. It will shock you. When I was a young musician, I did my taxes on my own for a period of time. And when I was, I was like, I spent what on food? Did I really need to eat that much? <laughs> You'll be surprised. You're buying 10 to $15 a day investing in food. Go with that 10 50 buy a bag of apples and eat one a day. <laughs> And take that rest of money and invest it someplace else. We eat the seed. It is not how much you make alone that will determine your wealth. It's how you manage what you make. I could stay a long time there, y'all. And then we come out and we talk, we talk about the reason why we are messed up. It's because, uh, you know, and we blame everything else except how we spend. You blame everything else except how you invest. Come on, somebody. The pleasure of the seed, you got to watch that. To plant is to let go. You can't hold on to the seed and let it go. It's got to go. It's got to die. It's got to go in the ground. What does that mean? Jesus said unless a, a seed goes into the ground and dies, it remains but one. But unless it dies, a lot of us don't want to die to bad habits. You want the world, but you can't wake up past 8 o'clock. You got to die to laziness. Hallelujah. Some stuff got to die. You want to change? Watch who you hang around. You stay around knuckleheads and talk about, they my peoples. Your peoples always getting you in some stupidness. And you know, for believers, I always tell them, how come none of your peoples ever come to church? How come the people you hold on to so much in the world when you invite them to church, they never come to where you are? It sounds like they have more of a stronghold over you than you over them. If I always tell people that. If you, if you invite a friend to church and they can't, okay, it's okay, I can't come this week, I can't come next week. I can't. But if they can't come forever... Hold on, something I'm I'm claiming crisis every crisis my firm foundation. He is so much to me, and when I tell you about him, it don't matter to you. And I'm still like, wait a minute, I come everywhere you are, and I do the things you do, and sometimes you even influence. You got me, but I actually go to church and repent for what I did with you. But you don't ever want to. At some point, I gotta watch. Because seeds are being planted, y'all. Yes. 
Stuff got to die. You might have to lose a friend or two. You might even have to change thinking. You know, sometimes when you think a certain way for a long time, you don't want to let go even though you know it's wrong. Church people, we love that. I learned this. Since I was a child, I was doing this. You might be sincere, but you could be sincerely wrong. One of the things people don't like your pastor for is because at the end of the day, after they splurt all of that, what they've splurted and all their experience, I then say, let's filter it through the Bible. And then when all they have built up falls apart, they don't get mad at the Bible. They get mad at me. People are mad at Christians for what the Bible say. You know, when you go on these interviews and they say, well, what does the Bible say? Well, 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 how do you feel? Pastor Rich, how do you feel about marriage? It don't matter what I feel about marriage. It don't, it, my feelings ain't got, I don't got a heaven or a hell to put anybody in. I ain't create heavens and earth. Now, if you want to know what the Bible says, I am not ashamed of anything written in there. Your problem is not with me. Your problem is what's there. But you know, you can show people that and they'll come to you and they say, well, according to first and second opinions, I've had to eat humble pie many times when I read the Bible and say, oh, I was wrong. Don't tell nobody. <laughs> we had a good lesson on that this week, right, didn't we, when you changed the word of God? There was one play we were doing this week with the Good Samaritan. And, and the, the, the Good Samaritan, never mind. Steve tried to switch it and it almost out. So I said, see, that's why you don't change the word of God. <laughs> Listen, here's good news, y'all. Planting might be tough, but here's what you must always remember. You reap more than you sow. You plant one seed, you get many oranges. But also remember this, you reap later than you sow. Amen. Y'all seeing this? And I also want to say this plain. You reap what you sow. So if you don't like the fruit, check the seed. What are you sowing? What are you sowing? Come on, somebody. Because there's things you could be sowing that ain't of God. Look at what the book of uh, Hosea says, right? Hosea describes what awaits those who choose to sow seeds of wickedness. They sow the wind and they reap the whirlwind. In Hosea 8, 7. If you sow unrighteousness, don't expect righteousness to come back. You cuss people out and talk about this, who I am. I got to let them know a piece of me. Okay. You feel, you know, this, everybody around me know who I am. They know this is who I am. Okay. That is who you are. We know that very well. That's why we don't want to be with you. I got mad. He knew who he was marrying before he married me. He know I don't. I, he know. He know when I get mad how I be. 
Keep it up. Keep it up. What Ralph used to say, Alice, bang, zoom. I'm joking. I'm joking. The things they got away with in the honeymooners, right? Ralph say that now. They cancel him right away. Ralph, that's abuse. She knew, she knew I was working when I met her. She knew, you know, I'm sitting in my head doing me. I ain't really got time. She, you know what I mean? I, I ain't, you got to handle the family. I ain't got time making money so you could be all right. <laughs> I'm out here chasing the dream for us. But you have us already. So what are you chasing? Keep planting seeds of dishonor. I don't really like church. You know, church people. Keep it going. I don't like that pastor. He ought to preach like if he were to let me tell you something. I've learned this. Any entrepreneur will tell you in this place. Whenever you start something, isn't it amazing how many people show up to your idea and tell you what you ought to do? It's like my man. So why didn't you do it? Amen, somebody. Do your thing. Keep planting negative seeds. You at home, you talk bad about God and God's people, and then your kid wiles out in high school, and then you bring them to pastor and say, Pastor, I don't know why they living like this. You did it. Nobody ain't going to say nothing to me. You keep watching stuff on TV, getting in all that political stuff. Your kids watching it too and they in it and everything they following and following all the stuff. You watch a show and you overlook the couple things that are on the TV. <laughs> yeah, you, you do stupid stuff like you hide their eyes. Yeah, you can't watch this part. The kid know what's happening over there. Hey, you want to stick your finger in there? Don't listen to it too. You play your Beyonce in the house, all my single ladies, and you miss Beyonce. I got no apologies to make, bro. Listen, I love everybody. I would hope, I would hope the Lord would save and change anybody. But at the same time, I'm not going to sit back and watch society feed us nonsense and I must glorify you. Glorify people like an icon. I don't want my daughter twerking. Twerking ain't going to get a job. I want my kids to be gangsters. I was telling, I think Range, we were talking about yesterday. It's so funny, too, because all you young people in this room, oh, boy, I'm just talking today. I like, I like this. I like, me like, I like me better like this. I'm going to go home and study this tape. <laughs> Let me tell all these young people in this room something. 
It's so funny that when you talk to young people in church, they know the truth. But the need to fit in in society will cause them to stifle the truth they know just to be part of this world. They know who God is, but they will never speak up about God at, the, at a young age because it's just not cool in the marketplace. But you know it's the truth. When you talk about it, you be like, yo, they bugging in the world. But then you go out in the world and you bug right along with them. Amen. I'm almost done, y'all. You reap what you sow, so if you don't like the fruit, check the seed. When the seed grows, your life changes. When the seed grows, your life changes. Every woman in here would understand that. If you've ever been pregnant, when the seed grows, <laughs> you change the way you eat. You change the way you walk. You change everything about you. When the seed grows, your life changes. So when you plant, it's just not I plant and later I'm going to be rich. Your life changes. You got to watch over the seed. And finally, I'm done and then I'm going to go to my scripture. God gives seed to the sower. So if you want seed, you got to be a sower. You know, as a pastor, I like that part, right? Because people like to reap, but they don't like to sow. Amen. Why do farmers plant their seed? Because they expect to harvest a great deal more than they sow. A single seed that sprouts can yield dozens, scores, even hundreds of seeds. It is the same way both with what you do with God and the things of God. It can bring forth much, much, much more fruit. The one to whom seed was sown on good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it. He, who indeed hears fruit and brings forth and some a hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. You, never, you always get more. You always get more. They tell me that one kernel of wheat in the ground produces a stalk bearing three heads of wheat. In each head, there, is, there are 50 to 35 kernels, altogether producing somewhat close to 100 kernels from one stalk. When planted, these kernels will produce 10,000 kernels. When those 10,000s are replanted, they produce a million kernels. Amen, somebody. Amen. And I'm closing, which brings me to my story. I could talk about this all day. God brought Joseph to Egypt in a strange way. God's methods sometimes don't line up. He got beat up by his brothers. He got sold into slavery. He got accused of rape. He got thrown into prison. He got forgotten about while he was in prison. 
And then God created the whole world to be in a certain circumstance so that the only one who would have the answer would be Joseph. So if you are sitting in a situation right now that look like nothing ain't going to come from it, you don't know God. How God moved a whole nation to make the only man with the answer Joseph. difference is when you read about Joseph when Joseph was beaten by his brothers he never said look at what they did to me when he was sold into slavery the Bible kept saying this and God was with Joseph and Joseph in slavery worked as though it was his to the point where Potiphar said man you in charge of everything except my wife and she said he could be in charge of me <laughs> She was the original desperate. <laughs> you think I'm crazy, right? <laughs> Serve. And in prison, he's serving good. I never once heard this man say, I'm a victim. My circumstance, my outcomes, society, this, that, that. These are all things. I never heard him say that. You know what he said? His father said that. When they, when they went to Egypt, read it. And they, they told Jacob, when they came back, they said, listen, the, the Pharaoh took one of, our, one, of, one of the sons and he thought he was dead. He thought his son was gone, right? And then when he saw him getting set up, when they put the stuff in the bag, this is what Jacob said. He said, all these things are against me. But look at the opposite of his son. His son said, what you meant for evil. <laughs> you you got to understand whatever happens to me got to come through God. Whatever happens to me got to come through God. And the God I serve is able to take the worst of situations and turn it around for my good. so he's in Egypt and he's ruling because he was the only one with the wisdom to rule and God allowed the ground and the nation to be barren sometimes God flexes muscles to remind you that all you've ever worked for could come to nothing and he brought Egypt to nothing y'all remember the pandemic Remember when you were wearing, um, when you were wearing uh, full-blown garbage bags over your head? Remember when you didn't even care about Gucci? You were like, yo, whatever will stop me from breathing. <laughs> Cats were saran wrapping their face going out. Because you were so scared you didn't know if you were going to live. God sometimes flexes his muscles. And says, I'll allow it to be barren. I'll allow it to die. And God allowed it to, to get to that where there was nothing in the land. And back up. Go, go Genesis 47 to about verse number 13. And the Bible said this. Hallelujah. Genesis 47, 13. 
Here we go. <laughs> there was no food. However, in the whole region, because the famine was severe. You ever had something happen in your life that was so severe? You don't know if this will ever change. And when you get desperate, you do desperate things. Both Egypt and Canaan wasted away because of the famine. Joseph collected all the money that was to be found in Egypt and Canaan in payment for the grain they were buying. You know who stored up that grain? It was Joseph. I'm going to show you something I learned about Joseph in the scripture. God always got somebody to be the answer. And he was getting paid. The money was worthless. But he knew the economy was going to change. <laughs> oh, boy. There's so much happening here. Business people should be uh, uh, in payment for grain they were buying. And he brought it to Pharaoh's palace. An honest man. I'd have took it for me. <laughs> when the money of the people of Egypt and Canaan was gone, all Egypt, when the money was gone, when the money was gone, all of Egypt came to Joseph and said, give us food. Why should we die before your eyes? Our money is all gone. Look at this. Then bring your livestock, Joseph said. This man is capital. He's getting bread. He said, you ain't got money and your money's worthless. Bring the animals because there's no food for them to eat anyway. Bring them. So he collected all the livestock. Bring your livestock, Joseph said. I will sell you food in exchange for livestock since your money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph. And he gave them food in exchange for their horses. Notice what they kept asking for. What they kept asking for. Food. Give me food. Give me food. Look at this. And he gave them food in exchange for their horses, their sheep, their goats, their cattle, their donkeys. And he brought them through that year with food in exchange for all their livestock. He fed the nation. And when that year was over, they came to him the following year and said, We cannot hide from our Lord the fact that since our money is gone and our livestock belongs to you, there is nothing left for our Lord except our bodies. We're going to sell us to you. Use us for labor. In other words, we will become slaves to the government. And we're going to give them our land. When you're hungry, you do a lot of stuff, boy. Why should we perish before your eyes? We and our land as well. Buy us and our land in exchange. Buy us. Buy us. Wow. Buy us and our land in exchange for food. And we with our land will be in bondage to Pharaoh. And somebody said this. Which is crazy to me because the Bible doesn't tell me what happens. But all along the ground wasn't producing anything but something changed. I don't know when. I don't know at which point in this scripture, but the ground was desolate, but somehow it was time for it to yield crops again.
And they said, give us seed. So give us so that we may live and not die. And not only us, but that the land may not become desolate. Go on. So Joseph bought all the land in Egypt for Pharaoh, the Egyptians, one and for all, and sold their fields because of the famine was too severe. The land became Pharaoh's. Go on. So Joseph reduced the people to servitude from one end of Egypt to the other. Go on. However, he did not buy the land of the priests because they received the regular allotment from Pharaoh and had food enough for allotment. Imagine that. Pharaoh takes care of his evil priests. And had food enough from allotment for Pharaoh gave them. And that is why they did not sell their land. But watch this part. Joseph said to the people, now that I have bought you and your land today for Pharaoh, here is Joseph. When God gave him the, the dream and showed him that there was going to be a famine and he began to store up food, most of us, we would look at that and said, wise, brilliant, but let me show you the brilliance of a man of God. He knew that it's not good enough to store up the food, but I've got to store up because the food will run out. And times and seasons will change as long as the earth endures seed time and harvest. And when times change, if I don't have, I'll be stuck in where I'm at. And the only man who had seed to change the land was Joseph. And let me tell you something. If you've got seed... You can change the land from being desolate. You can change your lineage from poverty. Y'all ain't hearing what I'm saying. You can change the bitterness in your family by the seed you have. It might not be money. It might be the words you speak. It might be your person. It might. There's so many things you can plant today and reap a harvest tomorrow. The problem is a lot of us want the food, but we don't want to carry seeds. But God gives seed to the sower God gives seed to the sower one of my favorite scriptures y'all one of my favorite scriptures hallelujah is found in the book of Psalms hallelujah that says this those that go out Bearing seeds and their mourning shall no doubt come back rejoicing, bringing in their sheaves. It, it, the Bible is telling you that if you're leaving mourning, but you got a seed, weeping may endure for the night. But guess what? Joy. Look, look, look. Those who go out, how he went out, he was sad. But what? He was carrying. Will return. What happened? 
sheaves with them. And I want you to know today, it all begins with a seed. I'm closing. Is your life in turmoil? What will you plan today that will change it tomorrow? Is your relationship with God so messed up now? Is your relationship with church so messed up now? Is your relationship with family members so messed up now? Is your finances so messed up now? Is your marriage so is your marriage so messed up now? Is your life in turmoil now? Don't tell me about the turmoil. Tell me about what you're getting ready to plan. Because nothing will change. We spend thousands of dollars to go to therapists to tell them about the problems. And all that therapist will do is be like, oh, you messed up? Okay, what do you th- why do you think that is? What do you think you can do? And all they're going to try to do, a good therapist never tells you what to do. A good therapist is to, they help you to figure out what to do. And ultimately what they eventually do They show you that you got a seed. That if you were to take that seed and plant it, it can change. Six years and you still in that situation in that marriage? What did you do different? Six years and your family still in the condition it's in? What did you plant different? Did Did you even... Sometimes the planting got to occur in us. Because the reason we don't pick up the phone or, or become friendly or go beyond who we are is because there's so much bitterness in the soil that you can't even bring yourself. So what you got to do is do like crazy Pastor Rich do. Take the thought captivity. Stop telling yourself that. They don't hate you. They don't. They love you. They this. They, and every time the enemy whispers one thing, this is happening, you tell yourself, devil, you lie. Devil, you lie. No, no. If God be for me, who can be against me? You're never going to be nothing. You're going to be broke. Devil, you lie. Devil, you lie. You Look at the world. Look at the government. Look at what's all that's happening. Look at the turmoil. Devil, you a liar. There's more that God is doing than the enemy is ever doing. Oh, oh how could you live? Look at what the government's doing. You know those Christians walk around like that. They watch news all day and they come to you. I got away. This world is going to go. You mean where it's going to go? It's going to go to hell. I'm going to heaven. We know that. Oh, look at what they're doing. Look at the agendas. They want to change. Oh, listen. We know the Bible says as it was in the days of Noah. You know what the Bible says about the days of Noah? Not one man's heart was bent on doing good. That every second all their inclination was to do evil at all times. I'm not shocked. Ah, where's God? Where's God? Where are you? You got a seed. And that's what this church has done all week. That's what I've done all my life. And sometimes, y'all, if I were to be honest, 
sometimes harvest shows up that I forgot I planted a long time. <laughs> Those be the best, bro. <laughs> when God show up with a, a, a delayed harvest, when you thought and you like... And, and, and I know when y'all hear that, y'all Americans think he must be talking about money. I'm not even talking money. I'm talking about people who come through and look out for one of your children for you. And do something someplace else in your life that you were like, I couldn't even do. But look at God bring somebody. Look how many children I poured into. Now God is bringing people for my children. God is bringing. Let me tell you, when you plant, when you plant, there is going to come a harvest. You might go out weeping, but all you got is a seed. You know this whole concept from Genesis to Revelation, right? From the minute man sinned, God said the seed of the... <laughs> I told you, I could preach this forever. I'm done. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you. If there's anybody hurting in the room, I want to pray with you. If there's anybody going through anything...